Romans chapter 8. Turn to Romans chapter 8. This morning, we are going to tackle one verse again. This verse is worth taking our time and digesting slowly. But when we look at just one verse, which we often do here, there is a growing danger in my mind that I want to make sure that we're aware of. I have mentioned it before, and I want to mention it again. I want us to avoid that danger, and this is really important to me. That danger is taking specific verses out of context and eventually making them out to be something that they are not. God's word is a live church. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts to the very heart of who we are. It gives us life. It encourages us. It challenges us. It corrects us. It directs us. It unifies us. It divides us. It guides us. It stops us. It sustains us. It is sufficient for us. We see the triune God revealed in it. We see the history of mankind revealed in it. We see human nature revealed in it. We've been warned by God against adding to it or taking anything away from it. We've been instructed by God to handle it with care. We've been given God's spirit in us in order to reveal truth through it to us. I am filled with nervous excitement when I prepare to open it up for us on a Sunday morning or in some other setting. This is not something that I will ever take lightly. So when I plan to study one verse with you on a given Sunday. I want to make sure of something. I want to make sure that I'm seeing that particular verse as it fits into the greater whole, the greater picture. And that means that sometimes I have to consider puzzles in my mind. I have to consider puzzles. If I pull a yellow piece out of that puzzle and I talk about that yellow piece in detail... But when I'm done talking, I have given you the impression that that yellow piece belongs in a banana puzzle. Then I've missed it. Then I've missed it. And I don't want to do that. We need to do our job well when we're handling the word of God. And Romans 8 has some of those kinds of verses in it. Um, Our verse today does not produce a lot of danger for us in that area. Next week may be a different issue. But no matter what perceived danger I feel there may be, I want to keep each of these verses in our study in their context. Any verse, passage, chapter, or even book can be taken out of context. So I want to read this morning as we get started the passage, just the passage that surrounds our verse this morning. So let's look at Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 30. Paul writes to the church in Rome, Likewise, regarding the groaning that creation and we are experiencing over the state of the world, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Last Sunday, we worked through verses 26 and 27. We were encouraged as we were reminded that as we stand before God's throne in prayer, Jesus Christ stands with us as our advocate, and the Holy Spirit stands with us as our interpreter, taking our prayers to a deeper level and aligning them perfectly with the will of the Father. What a tremendous reality. And I want to thank you for um, all the the encouragement that came my way over what that has meant to you as a church. Um, Many of you let me know just how much that impacted the way you pray. That picture that's there as you stand before the throne of God. It's meaningful when we understand that it's not just us talking to the wall. It's not just us saying things not really knowing where they're going or what's going to happen with them, but we stand instead in the community of the triune God as we pray. It's a beautiful truth. So now in the context of that passage that we just read and that chapter and this letter called Romans, we're faced with verse 28. Romans eight twenty-eight, where Paul writes, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And in a world and a time filled with uncertainty, and think back to Peter's message and his reference to the uncertainty in this world, this morning we're privileged to be looking at a very certain statement from God's word. Paul says, We know. We can be certain. We can stand on this. And Paul could have easily just skipped those words and and we know and just gone right to the content of the verse, but he didn't. He opens the verse with, and we know. And we know. And look what it ties back into as far as certainty goes. Verse 27, God knows the mind of the Spirit. God knows the Spirit's mind, and the Spirit's mind is perfectly conformed to God's will because the Spirit is God. And so God knows the mind of the Spirit. So there's some certainty there about God knowing the Spirit's mind. It's a sure thing. And just as much as that's a sure thing, the statement that Paul makes in verse 28 is a sure thing. And that ought to build our confidence in what Paul writes in verse 28. I want to look at five convictions worth mentioning in this verse. They're all built on the words, we know. We are confident about these things. We can stand on these things. We know. And the first conviction is this. We know that God works in our lives. We know that God works in our lives. God is always working on our behalf. God is always working on my behalf. And I can confidently say that. That statement is a conviction for me. Not just some theological truth that I'm regurgitating for a religion test. I stand on that truth. 
But that is not an easy statement to make. From our human perspective, there are certain criteria that have to be met in order for us to be convinced that it's true. Specifically, we need evidence. It's hard to say with conviction that God is always working on our behalf if we're going through one of those times when it just does not seem true. Circumstances are bad or rough. How can he be working on my behalf? Where is he? Why isn't he doing something? Let's go back to last week's message. In Hebrews, we were shown that Jesus Christ is always at work on our behalf. He is our advocate. He stands before the Father pleading our case day in and day out. He's working. And in this letter, only one verse back, we're told that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. He's taking our prayers to a deeper, more effective level for us. He's working. God works in our lives. He does not sleep. He does not ignore us to go focus on somebody else. He doesn't get tired of us. He doesn't get distracted and just forget about us by accident. We don't fall down his priority list at some point. God works in our lives, always. God works. We can count on that. We can be certain that God is working. So try this. Thank him daily for working on your behalf. Cultivate certainty and thanksgiving in your life and in your dialogue with God. God is working. God is at work in your life. He is, period. Second conviction is this. We know that God works for the good of his people. We know that he works for the good of his people. Verses 29 and 30 are going to show us the the incredible goal that God has for his people. And we'll get to that next Sunday. The verses verses that we're going to look at in, in one week have have turned into a very controversial um, spot in Scripture, some very controversial verses in some circles, but there's a beautiful truth there that needs to be restored as a focus of these two verses. But this is not the only place where God shows us that he's working for our good. We don't have to wait until next Sunday to see that and be thankful for it. This is what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. He said to that church, he said, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul's thoughts line up so well here with what he's teaching in Romans chapter 8. God is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I think we have a bit of a challenge with this sometimes. Um, I know I do. God promises through Paul that the eternal weight of glory awaits us. And the challenge here can be our impatience. We want God's good right now. 
The eternal weight of glory seems so far away, so unreal to us sometimes. We want that good right now, but that's not what God has promised. He's promised that he is working right now to prepare us for that glory. His work is good. What he's preparing us for is phenomenal. It's indescribable. And God is all in preparing us for that glory. His power, his wisdom, his goodness, his faithfulness, his word, his angels, his children, all tools in God's toolbox that he uses for the sake of yours and my eternal transformation and glorification. We will be glorified one day. Our intended selves will be realized. We will never have to settle for the best that we can be in this world. There is something, there is someone greater that's coming. Meanwhile, God's working to shape, to transform, to redeem, and ultimately present his children perfect. Which is something that you and I cannot do. No matter how hard I try, I cannot create the me that God created me to be. There's no comparison between what I can do, what we can do, and what God can do. Peter agrees with Paul. Through Peter, God pointed us to the same truth. In 1 Peter 5.10, this is what Peter encouraged the church with. He said, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The God of all grace has great plans for his children. He's working for our good. We can be absolutely confident of that. God loves his children. He's working for our good. Church, be confident of this. God is working for your good. The third conviction in this verse is this. We know that God works for the good of his people in all things. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. I want to split this point in half. All things work together. First half of this is all things. All things. God uses all things for our good. All things. One more time. All things. It may be easy for us to see how God can use the good things. But God uses everything. Absolutely everything. We can see God using the successes in our lives for our good. We can see that easily. We can see him using the things that we master, the things that we learn. We can see him using the ways in which we reflect him for our good. We can see him using the spiritual gifts that we believe that he has given us. We can see him using the ways that we have impacted our world for him. We can see him using all those things for our good. That's easy to see. And we see him using the bad things, the hard things, the challenging things, the sad things, the heavy things. Can we see him using our failures, our weaknesses, our mistakes? What about the things that we're trying to forget that we did? What about those times when we messed up, when we, we don't know how to handle a situation, when we felt alone, when we felt out of place, when we felt unaccepted, uncool? Uncool. 
starting to think of God as the great weaver. It's the other part of this point from verse 28. The words work together are communicating here in the original language, a picture of this, a picture of a weaver who weaves things together. God takes all of our good and all of our bad and he weaves them into one beautiful picture that when it's finished, presents us the way that we were created to be. And we don't get that way by accident. The picture of us that God paints is colored with every circumstance, with every dimension of who we are, and it's going to be a perfect picture. Can I give you an example of what I'm talking about here? Um, How about Jesus? Was his life all good things? All easy things, all happy things, all comfortable things. Not even close. He suffered to the point of seeing his father turn his back on him. He was despised, he was rejected, he was beaten, he was crucified. Did God use all that? Yes. And look at the good that he brought out of that. God will weave something good out of all that we face. If you search the Bible, you'll see God using suffering, temptation, and even sin to bring about good for his children. All things are God's to use. That's God's sovereignty. God has the authority to use any and everything that happens in our lives for our good, and he does Listen to how Paul addressed this in his own life. This is 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. This is a passage that's filled with perspective on this in the form of a personal testimony from Paul. Just listen to these words. He says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, things he had received from God, understanding that he had, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul set the standard for us when it comes to trusting God to use all of our circumstances and everything about us. God works everything in our lives together for our good, everything. And I want you to keep the the picture of a weaver in your head because we get wrapped up so often, I think. um, I I get asked this question a lot. Um, One specific circumstance happens. Something happens. We want to know God's purpose for that specific thing. And we get caught up on that. We want to know. Keep in mind that he's weaving something big. Something big. He's weaving. It's not that that one particular thing needs our understanding, needs our focus, needs our attention. We've got to dig into that. God's putting it together. God's weaving it all together. 
everything. The fourth thing that I want to highlight in this verse is this. We know that God works in all things for the good of those who love him. There's a qualifier in what Paul writes here. God's work in weaving all of a person's life together for ultimate eternal good is for those who love him. When Jesus responded to a question about the greatest commandment, he pointed to loving God. There's nothing more essential to God than for his creation to love him. But note this, the commandment to love God was not given by Jesus as simply a religious obligation that we have to complete out of obligation. God works everything together for good for those who love him. That is pretty inspiring. That's pretty motivating. So do you love God? Do you love him? Finally, Paul adds a second layer to the qualifier. We know that God works in all things for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. The statement's found at the, the other end of Romans eight twenty eight. At the beginning of the verse, Paul writes, for those who love God. At the end of the verse, he writes, for those who are called according to his purpose. And Paul's going to mention that purpose in the verses that are coming. But here's the takeaway from this part of the verse. We know that God works in all things for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. We know that. In Genesis 50, we read Joseph's story, sold into slavery by his jealous brothers, set up, imprisoned, but also given tremendous power and status. All the bad, all the good, woven together by God for Joseph's good. The Bible's full of lives that demonstrate the truth that Paul writes about in Romans 8, 28. God's purpose prevails for those who love him. He weaves everything together. I have been given the privilege of being able to see God use some of the tough things in my life for my good and for the good of others as well. I go back always, as soon as I read this, I go back from Romans eight twenty eight back to my middle school and high school days. And I've talked about that before. I was depressed during those years. I was in a very dark place, a place where I was not accepted, where I was not cool. I was an outsider. I had a lot of things I felt going against me. And those years became a very black time for me. And I couldn't understand it then. I couldn't see it then. I wanted to see God's purpose in that, but I could not see it. All I could see was the fact that he wasn't there. He wasn't working. He wasn't doing his job, and I was suffering because of that. Fast forward to me being the youth pastor at Chapel Hill Church. And being able to impact the lives of of kids who feel just like I felt back then. Being able to understand, I didn't have any plans of becoming a youth pastor. God wove all that together. And he's given me a picture 
here now of, of what he's been doing, the, the hard things that we've gone through as a couple, as a family, the, the major changes that have happened in our lives. Why, 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 why? God's weaving. And he's shown me why so many of those things have brought me to this point. He continues to shape me through the experiences that I face, through my weaknesses, through his strength, over and over and over. And not just for someone else's good, but for my good too. I'm learning about God's grace. I'm learning the lesson that Paul's trying to teach. I'm I'm learning the lesson that God expressed through his prophet Jeremiah as well. This is Jeremiah 29, 11. Shockingly, it happens to be my favorite verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Speaking to his people. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. This, this is the God who loves me. I know I know that my God, that my father is working. That he is working on my behalf every moment of every day. I know that. I know that he is working on my behalf. I know that he is working for my good. I know that. That is one of my convictions. I know that he is weaving together all the things that have happened to me in my life and all the things that are happening to me now and all the things that are going to happen to me in my future. I know that he is weaving those things together for my good. I know that he has called me to his purpose for my life. These are my convictions. I know these things. Surely as the Father knows the mind of the Spirit, I can know that God is working for my good. Church, God has plans to prosper you. Plans for your good. Your Father has your good in mind. He is weaving everything together for your good. Stand on this truth. And we know, we know these things. I'm going to invite the ushers to come now. Will you pray with me as we prepare to give and worship again together? Father, I admit to you that this Verse, this promise, this statement that Paul makes in Romans 8.28 is something that I have approached with my feelings time after time after time. I 
And I know, Father, that this is not a point in which Paul says, and I, I feel like things are working together for my good. He doesn't say that. This is not dependent on how we feel about what's going on. So I thank you that Paul put in there three words, and we know. And God, I believe that you are working. Will you help us to believe that you are working? Will you help us to believe that you are working for our good? Will you help us to believe that you are weaving together all things in our lives for our good? You have given us in the midst of this loving relationship between us and you, this tremendous promise of, that, that represents who you are and, and what you're about. God, we, we know that you know the mind of the Spirit. We can be very confident about that. Will you help us to be just as confident about you working all things together for our good? Will you help us to trust you with the tapestry that you are weaving that is our lives? Will you help us to keep in front of us the word glory? Believing wholeheartedly that that day is coming when we are going to be glorified by you. We are going to be restored to a perfect state. We are going to know you perfectly. We're going to know each other perfectly. Will you help us to understand that the people that you are creating, the people that you are redeeming and restoring are made up of the things that happen to us. That all these things are used by you. Will you help us to hand over the things that are difficult, the things we don't understand, the things that cause us to stop and go, wait a minute, where is he? Build in us Grow in us, deepen in us the faith that we need to trust that you are working for our good. And although it may not look like it today or tomorrow or the next day, to us, though we may not feel it, help us to know it. And maybe even to go over to where Paul was Boast about our weaknesses, knowing that in that, your strength is made perfect. God, I ask for this church that you would just give us that faith, that you would give us that trust, that we would all be able to stand on this truth. That you're working all things together. You're weaving all things together for our good, for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Do this work in us, Father. Help us to stand firm on who you are and what you're doing.
And I pray that you would accomplish that in us. And I pray this in the name of the one who stands here as our advocate. And through the power of the one who will take this prayer and deliver it to you in perfect accordance with your will.